Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. If you could turn uh, to Acts, uh, to, to the chapter 8 in John, and uh, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. And, you know... What we're saying about the book of John is that we need to see him higher so that we can live higher. How many want to see Jesus higher so that you can live higher? The key to living higher is to see him higher. And so the book of John is all about setting our eyes upon Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We're looking at the the son of the living God. And living higher means that you live by faith. And I want to tell you right up front, the title of today's message is Children of Faith. Everyone say Children of Faith with me. Today's conversation in part is going to be all about whose child are you? And... um, There's something interesting about the next two Sundays, uh, and here's what I love, and I love, what I love about doing a series is that the Bible takes you places when you're doing a series that you may not naturally go, and it causes you to think about things that you naturally wouldn't be drawn to. So here's what we're going to see over the next couple of weeks, not so much today, but next week, but you're going to see... um, uh, a, a stern side of Jesus. Stern. Like people, especially nowadays, even in Christian circles, people don't like to see God as stern. God is love, but he does have a stern side to him. How many know sometimes daddy can get upset You understand? And part of what you're going to see is that even though Jesus was perfectly loving, uh, perfectly kind, even though uh, he, the people that he's speaking to, he died for. Okay? But because of the way they were speaking to him, He had to get sort of stern, and sometimes love is stern, and sometimes God is stern. The message is not about that, but the reason why I uh, 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 am bringing it up is because context is very, very important. And uh, one of the key contextual issues of this text is how like straightforward and deliberate. And I, you need, I hope you can come back next week because we'll be talking about that facet of God in, in more detail and depth next week. Um, so, so, yes, he's stern, but the Bible says that God is love, and I hope that you can see that. One of the things that we're also going to do today, I don't have a lot of slides. Hopefully we'll have time to really have time to uh, pray I have less slides, but I do have more Bible reading to do because of context. I'm going to read the text out of John, and then I'm going to jump someplace else and read uh, 10 or 15 verses. This is not something that we normally do, but I think it's very, very important for the purpose of you understanding what we're looking at today. And one more reminder. So last week we announced that we have this new, we're offering this new book of John. And uh, in the beginning, we sold the red one, and now that it has a new, a new cover, it's sort of red. I don't even know what color that was. But uh, um, so this is the new one. We sold a whole bunch of them last week. Where we we only have we don't have that many left. But if you if you make it to the table and there aren't any left, we will order more. We're developing a really good relationship with this company. Here's what I do like about the new one. The new one has actually wider margins so that you could mark your Bible. They can't show it, but you can mark your Bible and hopefully have your Bible mark you. Amen? Amen. 
Okay, so here's what Jesus is going to teach us. Jesus is going to teach us that what defines children of God is that children of God believe. Children of God believe. So let's pick up where we left off last week. This is uh, John 8, uh, 33. We're almost going to read some of the same uh, verses. We were talking about freedom last week, and now the conversation is changing. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. So the whole conversation now becomes their defense was their connection to Abraham. And it says, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been slaves of anyone. How can you say that we we shall be set free. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin, meaning that your lineage doesn't matter. What matters is your heart, the state of your heart. So you're not really free because you belong to someone. You could belong to the richest family in the whole world, but that doesn't mean you're free. You might have more, more autonomy than the average person. Maybe you can go for a ride in a helicopter. I've never been in a helicopter. Maybe you can go around a cruise in the world, uh, go, around a, a, go on a world cruise or, or the Orient Express. You are autonomous, but that doesn't mean you're free because freedom begins in the heart, and we talked about that because the Bible says that whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and how many are thankful for Jesus who sets us free? Amen. Praise the Lord. So this is what we talked about last week. And uh, he said, now a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And now, watch this. He says, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you're looking for a way to kill me because you have no room for my word. Okay. I'm telling you what I have seen in the Father's presence, and you're doing what you have heard from your Father. This is getting, this is getting a little stern here. Abraham is our Father, they answered, and then for today, here's the key text. If you were Abraham's children, said Jesus, then you would do what Abraham did. One more time. If you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. And what Abraham did, brothers and sisters, is Abraham believed. Abraham is the father of faith. Abraham's life was marked not by perfection, Okay, it wasn't marked by keeping the law perfectly, by keeping every, by doing everything perfectly, because how many of you know no one is perfect and no one can keep the law perfectly? What made Abraham special was that Abraham was a man of faith. And, what, and, and in, in Genesis chapter 12, God went to him and spoke to him and said, I want you to leave your family, leave your people, leave this culture, leave this place, and go to a place that I'm going to show you. He didn't tell him exactly where it was. He just said, get going. And the Bible says that Abraham got going. Why? Because when God spoke, Abraham believed. The word of God was enough. And Jesus, most of the commentators believed that Jesus was also referring to another occasion uh, in the life of Abraham, which I want to read to you very quickly. We're going to pray. And, uh, uh, and I want to make the connection in, in a couple of quick points here. So Genesis 18 says this, The Lord appeared to Abra Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while, while he was sitting at the entrance uh, uh, to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, if I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass by your, pass your servant by. Now I want to pause here for a minute, and I want you to notice that if you look at Abraham's life, Abraham was not the kind of guy who would just bow down to people. Okay, so Abraham recognized that there was something special about these three visitors. Okay, and he went so far as to actually say, my Lord. All right, he didn't just say my Lord to anyone. 
So he bows down and he says, don't pass your servant by. Uh, and then he says, let a little water be brought and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. This was traditional to the culture when you host someone. This was the way you hosted them properly. Okay, let me get you something to eat so you can be refreshed and then go on your way now that you have come to your servant. And he was declaring that he was your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. A little bit more. It says, so Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three seas of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. Then he brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them while they ate. He stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year and Sarah, your wife, will have have a son. So now at this moment it is confirmed. This is prophecy. Okay? It is confirmed that these three visitors are not regular visitors. Okay? There's something prophetic, something powerful was going on. How many believe that prophetic and powerful things still happen today? How many would say amen? And so now he's saying, now he's reminding him of, the, of a previous promise that he had made to him, which said you're going to have generations uh, are going to come through your seed, and you're going to have as many children as, as, uh, as stars in the sky and, 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 and uh, grains of sand on the, on the seashores of this world. That's how many, how many uh, uh, descendants you're going to have. You're going to be the father of many nations. I'm going to bless you, Abraham, and I'm going to make you a blessing because you're going to live by faith and that's going to please me. And now he's saying by this time this is what's going to happen. And then it says, now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was was behind him, Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. Now, what I love about the Bible is how honest it is about people. And you know, it, it's good because when you see yourself in them and you see how much God still blesses us, how many are thankful that God, even though we're just made of clay? And so watch this. So it says... So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, after I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Yes, because the Lord said so. Then the Lord said, now watch, watch, in the original language, now it is defined. These are not just visitors, this is God has come to visit them. And he says, then the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything, to, is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, could you imagine Abraham and Sarah? He goes, why did you laugh? She said, I didn't laugh. He said, yes, you did. Yes, that's what happened. That's what happened. Why do, we, why do we, we, we put this up? The reason why I put this story up, because Jesus was saying to, the, to them, and now I want you to begin to apply this to your own heart. Jesus was saying, look, you guys claim connection to Abraham, but if you were like, if you really were connected to Abraham in the spirit, not just in lineage, then you would live the way Abraham lived. And you see, when visitors came to Abraham, when the word of the Lord came to Abraham, he believed. You see, and now I have come to you. I'm showing you what my father has told me, but you don't believe. You see, the fundamental issue for the walk of every believer is that we live by faith. The righteous shall live by what? 
faith. Faith in the fact that Jesus came to this earth and offered his life and he paid the price so that you and I are declared not guilty because of the blood of Jesus. How many are thankful that we are not guilty because of the blood of Jesus? That is the gospel. The only one who could pay the price for our sin is Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And after he died, after he paid that price, he rose from the dead in power and in victory and is seated at the right hand of the father. And the Bible says he lives to intercede. That means that Jesus lives to pray and to make moves from the throne of God on behalf of your life and mine. He will make moves moves by from his powerful throne to make the difference in your life. He will help us when we need help. He will strengthen us when we need strength. He will raise us up when we need to be raised up. That's the gospel. No one else can claim that. No other religion can claim that. But hallelujah, we can claim that because of Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And so before we just pray a minute, I want to talk to you about the three keys of believing. I want to say it up front. I usually don't do this, but I want to say it up front, and I want us to pray. So here is what marked the life of Abraham, okay? Move, wait, sacrifice. All right, if you're taking notes... This is a note. And by the way, you can follow along on our app. Right now, these notes are loaded in. Move, wait, sacrifice. That's the life of faith. What you're going to discover is that all throughout your walk with God, there will be these three movements of faith, which are, or aspects of faith, which are move, wait, sacrifice. Everyone say that with me. Ready? Move, wait, sacrifice. And so what I want to do is this is what Abraham's life was all about, and I'm going to uh, kind of open up, open this up for the next few moments. But I want to pray that we would be people, or let's say children of faith. He wants us to be children who believe. Not who talk church, but who live Christ in me, the hope of glory. I've decided to follow Jesus. How many want to follow Jesus? No turning back, no turning back. How many would say amen? So let's pray right now. Father, I thank you for your wonderful, glorious word. And I thank you, Lord, that every single day, until you return, until our faith becomes sight. Every single day, we are called to live by faith, which means sometimes we have to move, sometimes we have to wait, and sometimes we have to sacrifice. And I pray that the Holy Spirit would apply that word personally to every individual that, will, that is in this room and that will hear this message. God, we want to live the way Abraham lived. We want to be children of faith. So bless this word and let your word move our hearts into the realm of faith, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said, Amen. 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 So what's faith all about? Move, wait, sacrifice. Abraham was able to move when God told him to move. He said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would do what Abraham did. And here's the key. When we move on God's word, we, we line up with what God is about to do. All right? So move means that when God gives you a word and he says it's time to step out, it's great to hear the promise of God, but every time God gives you a promise, right after that, you have to move on the promise. There comes a point where you have to step out in faith. The life of faith means that you move. It means that God is calling somebody here today to move away from safety. Move away from everything always being comfortable. Life is not meant for, to, for everything to always be comfortable. He said, Abraham, leave your family, leave your friends, leave your culture, leave, leave all of them. Just go to a place that I'm going to show you. 
move. And he didn't say, hey, God, you think I could get like a GPS and a full, you know, could I get like a fax? You know, could you, you know, send me something? I need the details on everything. Oh, yeah, I'm a responsible Christian. No. Faith is the most responsible thing that we can be. You see, it doesn't mean that you don't get confirmation, but listen, there comes a point where God says, step out and move. And when you move, then something is put into action. You see, in Genesis chapter 12, he said move, but the visitation came in Genesis chapter 18 where it says, okay, now next year. But he had to be where God wanted him to be because when God came to the earth, those three visitors, they were on a different mission. If you go on and read the chapter, they were there to do something else. But while they were doing that something else, because Abraham moved in the first place and was where he should have been, then they were able to meet with Abraham and speak to him and confirm the promise. And so part of living for God is that you have to step out. God could be called calling you to, 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 to be part of a ministry, you know? And, and he's saying, step out and join. Be part of the family of God. He could be calling you to do A or do B. It doesn't matter what it is. There comes a point when God says move, and let me tell you something, when God says move, guess what faith does? It moves. It moves. A lot of people, over the years I've seen this, a lot of people talk about faith, but when push comes to shove, they say, I think I'm gonna just hang out right here. Can I tell you something? Over the years, I have watched this mostly, I can speak mostly from the context of ministry. Many, many times, people I went to Bible school with, over the years, uh, uh, people at churches, you know, who feel the call of God, and uh, they feel the call of God and they're blessed and everything is, is nice and comfortable and set. And, uh, and then a word comes, a potential assignment comes, something challenging comes, and uh, it's out of their comfort zone. But God brings the word and says, move. And then there are 45 excuses, 45 reasons why. You know, and some of us could write that book. And some, look, look. Today, there are people that are sitting right here, and I say this with all the love that I have in my heart, you've been stuck in the same place for five or 10 years. You know why? Because God says move, and you're not moving. You see? But if you don't move, then you're not gonna see what God has promised you. You see, faith moves without seeing. Faith believes. And we were talking about this last week. You see, and it starts little for me, like I, I forgive the personal reference, but faith for me was a very kind of like coming into a whole new culture. Maybe it's like this for some of you. So I grew up in the world. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't grow up in a Christian environment. When I walked into the doors of the church, everything for me was different, okay? The church that I went to was, was like, it, it's, you know, it just was nothing like the, this kind of church, okay? They didn't preach from the Bible. It's just very, you know, and I didn't even go to church. I'm saying, you know, I was a priester, you know, <laughs> Christmas, Easter, visitor, two-time check-in in a year. That's what I was. But listen, when I got in there and I watched, just the Christian environment and the Christian culture was shocking to me because I didn't, I didn't get how people could even lift their hands in a building to an invisible God. But here's what I couldn't deny. I couldn't deny that when I was an usher at the Beacon Theater, I couldn't deny this. When I was an usher at the Beacon Theater and they had all of these, these bands come through, people would lift their work and worship the guys on stage all the time. And I remember thinking to myself, well, if they worship them, I think I could worship Jesus. <laughs> How many would say amen? 
You know, if the musicians could come, I, I need to go through this because I want to make time for us to pray. But listen, some, how long, how long will you stay in your walk with God and just be one of those Christians? Because for me, it started with my personal like, I was thinking, Lord, how do we apply this? I'm your pastor. I want, I want to help you grow. So how do we apply this? Right? It's the most simple, personal things. It starts with your personal relationship with God. So I remember, I remember, like, like uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. You know, meanwhile, meanwhile, I, I mean, I, I'm embarrassed. Like, go ahead, go ahead, and everybody's just shouting, go ahead. For what? For what? You know, go Cubs go, five miles away you hear go Cubs go. But see, it's, it's not, it's, it, for what I'm trying to say is for me personally, the crossing of that line was very significant. Because the crossing of that line was the way I was taking steps of faith. For me, the first time I tied, that was a step of faith. I, 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 once, once, I'll never forget it, my, when I got married, my mom, thought, you know, my family thought I went nuts. Again, forgive me for all the personal. I'm trying to make this super personal today. So when I first got married, my family thought I was nuts. My mom came to visit. And, you know, I grew up in an old-fashioned Cuban home. You know, it's like, the man is the man. And I, I remember my wife came in. It was a cold day. My wife came in. I've told this story before, but she came in from the snow. She had some boots on. My mom was there, there and she was, Chrissy sat over there. And I ran over, and I kind of untied Chrissy's boots. And I was helping her get them off. And my mom was, You know, it's like, but how many know walking with Jesus makes everything different? Amen. So look, there are way bigger steps of faith that Chrissy and I have taken, leave, go and all that. But if you don't do what's in front of you today, then if you don't move on the simple things, on the basic things, then don't, don't expect the visitors. How many of the visitors show up when we move? I'm gonna say amen. Okay, that's the first thing. Secondly, faith means that we move when God says to move. And here's the second thing. Abraham was able to wait when God told him to wait. Okay, remember, move, wait. So God tells you to move, and when God tells you to move, then you can't put it on God and say, hey, you said do this, let's go, let's go, let's go, God. There's no saying to God, let's go. I mean, you can say it, but you're going to hurt your fingers, waste your time. You know what I'm saying? Because God moves, he's God. And when God says wait, you just wait. And here's what happens when we wait, God is preparing us and he's preparing the blessing. When we wait, you see, God was building a story in Abraham's life. He's building, please understand that your story is so precious to Jesus. God is building a story. He's building a story. He's building a story that one day they will be able to celebrate your life because you wait, waited upon the Lord. You see? And so God was building this incredible story that think about the millions upon millions upon millions of people. Think about all the little children who sing, Father Abraham had many sons, and many sons have Father Abraham, and I am one of them, right? That's what little kids have been singing, you know, over and over and over again. You know why? 
because Abraham waited upon the Lord. You see, wait means that you say, Lord, I heard in the light what I'm gonna stand on even when it's dark. I can't see, I don't understand, but it doesn't matter. You told me to go and now you have me waiting and I wait. Hallelujah. How many know it's, it's better to wait? You know, I just got a report the other day um, about, this happens, you know, about, there's a couple young people who are away from God right now. People used to serve in our church and they're away from God and um, got snatched up or in the world. And, um, uh, and it just breaks my heart. But you know why they're in the world right now? And somebody here today, you need to hear this. Okay? You need to hear this. Because the devil's calling. The devil's calling. And he's very persuasive. So, they've got the, the world has trapped them. You see? And they literally are saying, I love the world. You know? And you know why people fall in love with the world? It's because they settle for the cheap substitute that Satan offers them instead of the best that God has for them if they'll just wait. So listen, listen, if you find yourself in that place, wait. Wait for God. If it's not God, don't do it. If it's not God, don't date her, don't date him. Don't, don't take that step in business. If it's not God, don't buy it. If it's not God, don't go for it. Don't do it. Don't yoke yourself with something that is not Jesus. Hallelujah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Wait. Just wait. It's better to wait. It's better to wait. And man, when God comes through, it's so wonderful. He's so, he's so, so faithful. You know, there's a joy that comes when you wait and then God does it, you know? Such a joy. Small things, big things. Such a joy when the Lord does it. But Sometimes God says, wait, and you don't know why he's saying wait, but here's what you can know. While we're waiting, God is working. <laughs> While you're waiting, if you're waiting right now, just know. Just, just keep, keep seeking him. Maybe, maybe we should sing that song, Take Courage, My Heart, Christian, Pastor Christian, in a minute. Maybe we should sing that song, Take Courage, My Heart. Uh, uh, stay steadfast, my soul. It's in the waiting. You see, it's like God's word is true and it's powerful, but we have to wait. And so, so whatever it is that, that um, wherever you find yourself today, listen, he knows the hairs on your head. He knows exactly what's going on. And if you will wait, here's what I have seen. If you'll wait, you might wait a while, but God will visit you. Because for me, how many would say amen? How many have found on the journey? What I have noticed is that when God says do something and then wait, every once in a while, he's so wonderful, so kind. He'll come back and he'll look at Abraham's life. He'll just give you a little nugget of encouragement to keep on waiting. So he must have given him like three or four times he gave him the same promise because he probably sensed my, my servant is getting a little weak or thin and so I'm going to encourage him right now. And he'll do that. But he speaks to those. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. He'll strengthen you while you wait. And then here's the, 
here's the, the, the last point. When Abraham was, Abraham was able to, this is what faith does. Abraham was able to sacrifice when God told him to sacrifice. Then you would do what Abraham did. And you know what Abraham did? He sacrificed when God told him to sacrifice. And here's what you'll discover. When we sacrifice on earth, then God releases from heaven. When you sacrifice on the earth, God releases in heaven. You know that he went on to have that child. And even after God gave him that child that he waited about 25 years for, the, the promise came through. Then God said again, okay, look, when it comes to faith, if you think you've arrived, you haven't arrived. Because no matter how old you get, no matter how many promises are fulfilled, every once in a while the Lord will say, I want you to lay that on the altar. I want you to lay it all down for me. Okay, it keeps happening. But the thing is, is that when we lay it all down, so he says, Abraham, put my son on the altar. And what did he do? He put his son, his one and only son, the one he waited for all of those years. And now he has him and he says, and I want you to sacrifice him. Imagine. Imagine the strain of faith upon Father Abraham. But here's what he said. He said, Lord... Years ago, I surrendered my life to follow your voice, and I'm not going to stop today. So he takes his son, and his son is saying, Dad, where's the, we got the wood, we got the, we'll get the rocks. <laughs> where's the sacrifice? And he said, on the mountain of the Lord, it'll be provided. God will give you what you need when you get there. How many know when we get there, Jesus is going to be there. He's going to be right there. How many would say amen? He's going to be right there. And so part of faith is sometimes move, sometimes wait, and then sometimes sacrifice. You know, I was just talking to Pastor Matt. He was telling me, you know, at a certain point, I'll close with this story. We, Pastor Matt has been here for, from the very beginning, in a sense, and he was saying he remembers when we were praying about a place like over on Addison, I think. it Was that on Addison? Looking for a place on Addison. That fell through, but we were praying for it. Finally, uh, um, over three or four years ago, five, maybe five years ago it actually started, we... Um, felt like God wanted us to buy the Portage Park Theater. And we were in a board meeting, and um, the three board members, and myself, and a couple of the pastors, and we talked, and was like, go. So we had to put money down, and we had to put money down hard, which means if you lose the deal, you lose your money. And, um, and the great thing about having a board is that you don't have to make decisions alone. And so I said, brothers, what do you say? What do you think that we should do? And it was unanimous. We need to go. This is God. We need to step out in faith. We need to put the money down. So we put the money down on that building. And when we put the money down, we had no idea. But a firestorm ensued for Chicago Tabernacle. We had uh, um, all of, we had people protesting. We had Channel 2 News come. Actually, Pastor Matt had to deal with them. I wasn't there. I was so happy about that. Um, <laughs> Channel 2 News, Crane's Business Report, Chicago Tribune, every newspaper in our city had something negative to say. There were these two guys, I don't know if they're still around, Siskel and Ebert, uh, one of them still is. Well, one of those guys tweeted against Chicago Tabernacle. They were like, we don't need another church or whatever. We need to preserve theaters. And, and like we went down to City Hall and people were there with t-shirts on and, and whatever. And like a firestorm ensued. And when the firestorm ensued, in addition to that, now the mayor's office called and said, would you please walk away from the building? So, again, the Bible says in the multitude of counsel there's wisdom. We had no doubt in our hearts that we did what God wanted us to do. And now we had to wait and see what he was going to do. So, we get a call from the mayor's office. The mayor says, hey, would you... Um, consider 
Would you walk away? We know that you're not being treated right, but would you guys walk away? And we're gonna help you with another building when the time comes up. Now, we're like, you know, we don't let the grass grow under our feet. When we saw that that door was closing, we went and bought a lumber yard like two blocks away from here, right at the same time, because it was clear we were gonna lose the building. And we ended up losing the building, and we also lost money. Okay, everybody go, ooh. All right, so. I know you want to say that, so let's just get it out. All right? So we go ahead and we lost some money on it. So we, we buy the lumber yard and we start to work on that. And when we start to work on that, the owners of this building call. So we lock the lumber, the lumber yard in, in contract. Moving forward, they called. And when they called us, it was a miracle because we said, look, we, we did that building, we put money in, we lost some money, now we're starting on this building. If you guys wanna do business with us, you have to be the bank. And let me tell you something, real estate fees uh, uh, for the broker and bank fees and all that, like it's ridiculous when you get into millions of dollars, all right? They said yes. We said, well, for two or three years, I forget whatever it was, it's gotta be interest only. They said yes. And no money down, they said yes. And then wait, and then once we got into the building, after about six months, God was moving so much that we actually could get a loan, and we went back and said, hey, if you drop this by 800,000, then we'll, we'll, we'll get out of the deal now instead of for five years. And they said yes, so we even got it $800,000 cheaper. But wait, we'll clap in a minute. <laughs> so we're in contract on that building. We're in contract on the lumber yard and then a school comes in and when we go to close, a school comes in and they bought the building. We said, you can't buy our building, we bought the building. They said, no, we got, we're gonna sell it to them. They're gonna, they, they're getting, giving us a lot more money. So you can't do that. We're, so we got our lawyer and our lawyer said, no, we're blocking this deal. So then the school calls us and the school says, okay, we know you gotta get out. Well, we're like, well, we put this in, we put this in and we added a little more. And so they said, okay, so they bought us out and we lost money over here, but we walked away with like $125,000 extra. They paid us back what we lost plus extra. We walked away from that. And then we got this no money down, $800,000 cheaper, all of those things. Because when you move and wait and sacrifice, then God comes through, hallelujah. Then the Lord comes through. So listen, when he says, lay that thing down, lay it down. Because when you sacrifice, when you lay that down, when you put your children, your family, your career, your broken heart, your life, when you lay that thing down on the altar, then the powers of heaven start to move. God starts to flex his powerful muscles. Hallelujah, Jesus. He's so wonderful. Come on, let's praise Jesus. He's a wonderful God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah to your name, oh God. You're worthy, you're worthy. You're worthy. So listen, the Bible says, my house shall be called the house of prayer. And what that means is that from the very beginning, it's God's will that we would come to this place and build altars and lay our hearts on the altar and lay our life on the altar, lay our brokenness, our depression, our discouragement and say, God, I choose to believe in you. I am a child of God. I'm a child of faith and I will believe you, oh God. As we begin to sing and worship him, we're going to worship at the throne of grace today. Jesus is here. The King of glory is here. We sang it and it's true. But maybe you're here today. Maybe what has to happen is you need to move because God has been telling you to move. Or maybe you're here and the devil is saying, don't wait, don't wait, go ahead of God. Or maybe you're here and God is saying, lay it down. Today is the day to come to the altar and respond by faith to 
Promises, oh God. God, you will bring it to pass. 
yourself faithful our Bible is an amazing history book it's your story the story oh God of how you created us in love and how you redeemed us in love and how you rescue us in love and how you carry on the good work that you started oh God And so, Lord, we want to be children of faith. And I pray that as we walk from your holy house, I pray that there would be, oh God, a shout inside of our soul that says, I believe, and I will not settle for less than God's best for my life. Come on, let's, let's praise him for that right now. Hallelujah. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this time in your presence. God, we walk from this place in joy. I pray for your favor, your protection, and your fulfillment on every life. In the mighty name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen and amen. Come on, let's give him one more hand clap offering. God bless you. Come on, greet one another, the joy of the